Blog Talk Radio. It's a long road when you're on your own, and it hurts when they tear your dreams apart. And every new town just seems to bring you down, trying to find peace of mind and break your heart. Welcome to another very special episode of Talking Terror. Tonight, you have me, the demonic doctor. I am joined by one of my other hosts, the ghoul of geek, Keith. And on tonight's very special episode, we are bringing you part two of our Sylvester Stallone retrospective. We promised this way back. The time has come. Tonight, we are talking Rambo and not just any Rambo, all Rambo, from the book all the way to the current film, Last Blood, released this past Thursday, which the ghoul and myself have both seen. We will be talking about it at length. There will be spoilers, just so you know. But welcome to part two of our Sylvester Stallone retrospective, Ghoul of Geek Keith. Good evening, sir. God didn't make the ghoul. I did. I made him. What is up? I made him. <laughs> what is happening? I recruited man. him. I'm fucking excited. Trained him in noms. Dude. You could say that makes him mine. <laughs> I have certainly been looking Ghoul forward to this one for uh, for quite a while, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking part in this very special series with me. Uh, as our listeners know, you and I have known each other a very long time, and probably by now known the affinity that you and I both share of the. Rocky series, as well as the Rambo series, and uh, just about all of Sylvester Stallone's career as a whole, and there's no one else I'd rather be doing this retrospective with than you, so I'm stoked that we were able to make this work, and I'm stoked that this is right on the heels of us both getting an opportunity to see Last Blood on the big screen. Definitely, man. Uh, Again, we were both born, uh, we're about a year and four months apart, two guys that grew up throughout the action-packed film sagas that were the 1980s. And back in that time frame, there were no two bigger names than Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Those two guys dominated the action films that we totally grew up on. So, Are you with me? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I just, I thought I lost you for a minute there. Nope, we're all here. We're all good. Uh, So, uh, one of the things that I know you just took part in for the first time was getting the opportunity to read the book First Blood, which was written by an author, a very excellent author. I actually have read many of his books, and interestingly enough, I have written many of his books, read read many of his books, 
uh, long before I even read First Blood. First Blood was his first book. It came out in 1972 uh, by, again, by David Morrell. And uh, this was where the world was introduced to Rambo. And we're going to talk a little bit about the book. I'm sure different things with the book will come about throughout our show. Uh, but, Ghoul, I know that you just read this recently for the first time. And uh, as I have been telling you for quite some time, a uh, much different experience than First Blood the movie. Is that not correct? No, absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, again, like I, like I had said, we both grew up throughout a time frame in which these, these films, the Rambo films, were intertwined with our lives in all of its various forms. Um, you know, I had, you know, as a kid, obviously, I had no idea that the series came from a book to begin with. But I know when you and me first started uh, hanging out uh, as friends and started getting into realizing how much we both enjoyed movies and particularly the same movies, um, you had mentioned at that time to, to check out the book. So we are now friends for 20-something years here. And yes, I yeah, finally got around years. to check each, checking out the book that you told me that I remember. I remember you telling me to check out the book in your bedroom when we were hanging out one evening. I think you might have even put First Blood on your television that night. And that's what we ended up passing out to. But I remember you telling me to check out the book that very night. And again, I never got around to it. Yeah. Um, so, as a, interestingly enough, as a reader, um, and my parents both being readers, uh, there was a period of time where they were reading David Morrell books. I had no idea even uh, that he had written First Blood, uh, but there was a series of books. I'm just going to throw out, out a couple of titles, and, and, and if you or anyone else listening uh, has an opportunity, these are some both, like, these are, this is a group of, like, really solid kind of action adventure slash espionage uh, books. And some of those books by David Morrell, The Brotherhood of the Rose, The Fraternity of the Stone, The Fifth Profession, The Covenant of the Flame, Assumed Identity. Um, really good stuff. Uh, but I didn't even know that First Blood was a book. And my uh, experience, uh, I guess I'm going to talk about the first time I saw First Blood, and then I'd love to hear uh, your story if you recall. But uh, when Rambo First Blood Part Two uh, came out, I didn't even know that there was something called First Blood. When Rambo First Blood Part Two came out, I might not have even have realized uh, that it was called Rambo First Blood Part Two. Uh, 1985, I'm nine years old, but I knew that there was something called Rambo in some movie that I wanted to see that I was told I was not allowed to see. Um, disappointing to my, to my young self. Uh, now, while this was going on, whether, you know, Rambo First Blood Part 2 might have still been in the movie theater or it was just after, uh, my friend Jeff, who lived across the street from me, was having a birthday party. And uh, there was like a sleepover party with like, I don't know, eight or nine kids. And uh, his dad put a VHS tape into the, into the VCR. And on comes Sylvester Stallone uh, walking down the road and the credits say first blood. I don't know what that means. Like, I don't, I don't know, uh, but I'm watching this movie and I know Sylvester Stallone. I had seen Rocky films at this point in time. And uh, when it gets to the part when he has brought into the police station, and I, I remember this so clearly and they say the name Rambo. I felt this jolt of electricity because it, I knew it one, I knew it was something that 
I wasn't supposed to be watching. And the First Blood film, truly, on the surface, is such a simple black and white story. I have been mesmerized by what I had been seeing thus far. And now I'm watching something with Rambo, and now it's all starting to make sense. And then, again, for around – that happens about 15 minutes into the film. Uh, the rest of the way, I am just entranced, and that's truly – uh, seeing First Blood for the first time, one of those movie-watching experiences that truly changed my life in that moment. Yeah, see, for me, I, uh, again, like, I, oh, like I, I say constantly on the show, growing up, my father worked at a movie theater that was right down the block from where we lived in Brooklyn. So there were a lot of films that I ended up seeing in theater that I, if I don't remember the entire experience, I remember enough of it that I know that I saw it in theaters. Um, so I saw First Blood in theater, but don't have much of a recollection of it. I would have only been about five or six at the time that that came out, uh, or four or five, you know. But I remember enough of it so that when I saw Rambo, which was a huge release in 85, that I knew that it was the sequel to the other movie, but there were things that I didn't, I, I never grasped in that first film until I was older. Um, so seeing First Blood Part Two kind of guided what my thought process was for Rambo as a series for about two or three years before going back and seeing First Blood again and realizing, okay, they are two totally different movies that just happen to have the same character in them. Right. So, but, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, but yeah, but yes, absolutely, man. I mean, both those, uh, both iconic films, you know, Rocky, as we said in that retrospective, it was a huge film for for not only me just being an awesome movie for as a kid but also because of my family and, and some of the history like with my uncle and stuff like that so again because of the ties to sylvester stallone through that rambo was kind of just side by side with that for me it was like you know just equating it just just another sylvester stallone thing you know which like i remember seeing that and there was another uh i remember going to, to the theaters with my aunt jackie at some point and there was another movie he was like a like a two-bit hood in it. I can't remember the name of it. She always throws it out there. It might have been like an 83 film or something, 82, 83, somewhere in there. All right. Yes, please. Yeah, so, you know, I had talked about the book. I would mentioned the book First Blood. And uh, for those of you out there who might not have had a chance to read it, I mean, we're not going to get into an in-depth analysis about uh, the book. Our podcast is here to talk about movies, and that's what we're going to do. But the book is a much different experience. Uh, all the players are the same. Uh, characters are the same. But uh, the story is kind of equal time between John Rambo, well, actually Rambo, because the name John was not introduced until First Blood, the film. Uh, he was just known as Rambo in the, in the book. Uh, and Sheriff Teasel. And the book is told uh, from both of their perspectives uh, in kind of alternating back and forth with each chapter from Rambo's perspective to Teasel's perspective. The fact that Teasel is a war veteran of the Korean War and Rambo is a veteran of the Vietnam War uh, the book kind of explored how uh, soldiers from each of those wars felt uh, and how each of those soldiers were treated. And 
in it's there's no clear distinction in the book about uh, you know who's the hero and who's the villain. Uh, you have these two characters kind of embroidered in these events. Um, Rambo is much more unhinged, much more violent, and is truly a, a killer in First Blood. Uh, we still have Teasel hunting Rambo uh, until maybe Rambo's hunting Teasel. Uh, you know, Colonel Troutman is present, uh, plays a much different role uh, in the book uh, than he does in the film. Uh, but I have said on Talking Terror many, many times that I am not a fan of remakes. Uh, I don't want to see remakes. Uh, very, very rarely is one that I enjoy. Even more rarely is there a time when I have seen one that I think has improved upon its original film. And never do I want to see remakes of my most dearest favorite films, of which First Blood is one. But based on the book, I feel that if there was ever something that I would want to see remade, I would like to see First Blood remade if it were to stick to the book. Uh, I feel that that would make for a very interesting film. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I, you know, the two, the film versus the book here, the book is drastically different. And like you said, the whole idea is, is there really is no hero. You're talking about a book written, you know, let's, he started writing it in the late sixties, you know, it finally comes out in 72. We are entrenched in the Vietnam war at this point. Um, And, you know, for those of you who are listening, that doesn't know how the U S involvement went with that, you know, I certainly advise, you know, go look it up. It did, did not go well for us. Uh, the soldiers were not treated very well upon returning due to the way the media went over there and kind of gave everybody a firsthand view of what war was really like. Um, and that's what the book really plays on, where you have these two characters that are very similar to one another, but there's a totally different generation gap between them. Um, Teasel in the book is old enough to be Rambo's father. You know, he serves in the in the Korean War, which was from 1950 to 53, um, whereas, you know, John Rambo was, was involved with whatever length in Vietnam. I don't think they ever go into detail what his, his years termed were, but again, they do go to say that he, he was old enough to be his father. Um, so I take that him being anywhere from 20 to 25 years older than Rambo. Uh, you know, the movie definitely takes a different path on that. Dennehy is only eight years older than Rambo. Dennehy could not have been in the Korean War. And I think these are, are differences that you don't see in the movie that I would love to have seen represented in that way. You know, to see it as more than just a, uh, just, just a guy who kind of has a chip on his shoulder versus a guy who, who's being haughty. You know, there, there's, there's just a more deeper fight between the two of them in the in the book itself plus like you said as well in the book rambo there's no mercy once his switch gets flipped that's it you know it starts with with you know killing somebody and when he was down in the cells at the police station and working his way through all of these guys you know in the mountains uh it was in the mountains of kentucky in the book as opposed to the pacific northwest that we had in the movie and uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of relationships established throughout the book that you don't see in the film at all. Yeah, especially more so uh, the relationship between uh, Teasel and Orville, uh, the dog wrangler. Yep. Yes, absolutely. And again, I mean, there. And I, again, I see why you do it, especially back then. You know, this is '82, so again, you're filming 
let's say 1981, there's going to be certain things that are going to be hard to do. Um, you know, and I think, you know, from a narrative, obviously you can build the storyline for, for Orville and Teasel, but I don't think they felt cinematically that would lend well. Um, and then on top of it too, though, you had, you know, things like the storm that ends up wiping people off of the top of, you know, off the side of the mountain with rivers and stuff. I think that would have been hard for them to figure out how to do film wise and figure out a location where they can pull that off without it looking bad. And, you know, some of the, the decisions they made for the film, I think were the right ones for its time. I think it could be done better now. Yeah. And you know, the film uh, kind of went through pre-production hell. Uh, there were numerous actors uh, that were considered for the role of Rambo, uh, and there was a script uh, floating around that had been rewritten and gone through multiple changes so many times. Even while filming, uh, Stallone himself was working on rewrites like as the film was being uh, created. Uh, but but let's get into let's get into First Blood. I think there's a lot to talk about there, and uh, I want to make sure we give it its, its due time because I feel there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I mean I, so, I don't know about you when I when I think of First Blood, right? Like if I was to sit there and say like this is what I think of First Blood, just as as what happens in that movie. Drifter walks through town. Police chief has a problem with him. The, the, the drifter is the hero of the story, uh, and that's how I've always seen it as a kid. Uh, I never saw it as anything deeper than that. You know, I saw it as in Mistreated Man Fights Back. Yeah, and that's exactly right, and I feel that's why it resonated so deeply uh, when I was a little kid. Uh, it was clear-cut. Here's a, an American soldier, and again, this is at a time when I'm 9, 10 years old. I don't know about the Vietnam War uh, what had been being sold to us as kids in that era about the Vietnam War was that we have this Vietnam War. Uh, it was sold to us that maybe it wasn't the best war, but our men were still over there. We have POWs, and there was all these movies about getting the POWs. It was like a, a whole sect of Hollywood was like rescue the POW movies. Um, so here we have a soldier, American flag on the jacket. Uh, we don't as little kids consider, oh, the war was wrong and these soldiers did wrong. They're American soldiers, and they're getting harassed by the police. Uh, And that couldn't be more wrong. Uh, It was so clear-cut in the film. But I want to back up a little bit to what you said, because my thoughts and feelings about a lot of things in this film, or maybe not have changed, but things that I've studied a little more and noticed a little more. And I want to talk about the very opening sequence, because... The opening sequence has become one of like one of my favorite parts in this film. Uh, as Rambo is walking down the road around the bend uh, to arrive and look up his old war buddy Delmore Barry, um, mm-hmm. we see Rambo smile. Uh, we see him kind of have a little hop in his step as he realizes that he's gotten to the right place and starts to walk. Beautiful setting starts to walk down uh, towards the water hopefully to see his friend and isn't even reading between the lines uh, when he's talking to uh, who I suppose is Delmore Berry's uh, wife uh, or mother even. Um, I was never really clear on on who she was, but uh, even when she tells the the younger girl to go inside, uh, Rambo is still like, Oh, when when is he going to be back here? I got, here's a picture. Here's his right, you know? And 
I, I love the part when she tells him that he dies because you see in Stallone's face, you see something change. You see something change as he starts to realize what he's being told. And I love the use of sound because you get this like deep drum beat that almost sounds like thunder. It's kind of like something just went bad. Uh, maybe not something I picked, pick, something I, I'm sure I picked up on as a little kid, but maybe didn't realize the gravity of it uh, in that scene. I, I really love the opening scene of this film. Uh, I agree. Um, and again, that, these are the little things about film that, that I just, I adore and love about the filmmaking process and movies as a whole. Uh, for anybody that ever wants to say that, hey, Sylvester Stallone, yeah, he can do action, he can do this, but he can't really act. Um, this is one of those, those few times, like this is the kind of thing you put in your reel to show people that you actually can. You absolutely do see a complete 100% physical change. It's not needed to be done in words. Everything you need to see is emotionally done on his face. The movie opens, we get what eventually becomes the, you know, the iconic, to me anyway, Rambo theme just played like in a slow, almost like sweet type of way. Um, the, the sound that you're talking about when that, when that musical change happens, absolutely. As, as a kid, you probably didn't pick up on what that meant, but what it does subconsciously is kind of give you the, the, the depth and gravity of the news that he got right then and there. Um, yeah, I think looking at it now, it's one of those where I kind of, his initial mannerisms and ways of speaking when he's like not catching on, I do wonder a little bit if some of that is holdover from Rocky, because I don't quite get how you take the person that he seems to be here but later, this is going to be somebody that we know is 100% capable of flying helicopters. Like he's, he's got to be highly intelligent to be able to do some of the things that he's, he's capable of doing as a Green Beret. So it does make me wonder a little bit about the simplicity of the character. But again, I'm going with it. I'm feeling him here. And yes, you know, that we see that change. He finds out that, that this, this friend, this person that you know, you, you knew no he was more looking buried. forward to seeing... You know, Delmar Barry, you know, that he's got the picture, you know, and this was us. And, uh, you know, he had to, Barry was so big, he had to stand in the back or else he'd fill in the whole thing, you know, take up the whole picture. And to, just to get that news that, you know, the cancer got him from Agent Orange and that he, by the time he was, he was ready to die, he had lost 90 pounds, she could pick the guy up. Um, yes, they're never clear whether it's his mother, his wife, if the kid is his daughter. I don't know. You know, this was added for the film. It's not in the book, so we don't really get any more information than what we're seeing here at this point. I took it as his wife. Yes. Uh, I kind of felt the same, so that's kind of what I always felt. And then, So then we have Rambo, uh, a couple of montage scenes of him just kind of walking uh, in, like, cold, rainy weather uh, as he approaches the town of Hope. Uh, and then we cut to Teasel. And... I have to say, and, I, and I, truly, I, I, I kind of know every frame of this film so well. Uh, I, it's, I don't even have a number of times that I've watched it or watched sections of it. Uh, it easily could be, you know, like this, uh, movies in the Rocky series, Jaws, like movies that I've seen more than any other. Uh, this is definitely one of them. And uh, I feel in the introduction to Teasel in some of like his kind of, deep breath when he walks out of the station, his interaction with some of the people, like he kind of sounds like a dick right off the bat. 
um, <laughs> before he even gets up in the car to where Rambo's walking into town. Um, and yes, and then we have him rolls up into town, you know, wearing that flag on this jacket, looking the way you do. Uh, you're looking for trouble if you ask me, pal. Um, you know, sets it up right off the bat. Uh, and then we have this kind of testy exchange in the car, uh, questions him about Portland, doesn't let him get something to eat. And I'm watching this when I'm a kid, and now and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Fucking guy just wants to get some fucking food and be on his way. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, here, you know, with with learning that his friend is gone and – uh, we learn later on more about some of the poor treatment that Rambo has received as a vet returning to the United States. Uh, says, I'm done with this fucking shit. And when he's dropped out of the car, and this is kind of where things really take off, he turns around and starts walking back into town. Yeah, I mean, the movie does not waste its time. Uh, yes, I, I do kind of agree with you with Teasel's look and demeanor, I don't know if I'd consider him a dick. I mean, this is a small town. You know, Brian Dennehy, you know, is an actor that this was, you know, probably my, this was my introduction to him, but I know him also from the FX movies and just countless other things. The first FX is so great. Yes, you know, and like, he's got that, like, when I think of Brian Dennehy, right, like, the only other person that really pops into my head, and again, because it's a similar look to him, is Ted Kennedy. And because of this, and being that Ted Kennedy is from Massachusetts and Brian Dennehy was born in Massachusetts, that look for me, whenever I think, like if somebody says like, hey, this person's from Massachusetts, those are the two people that you, like, you first think of pop Brian right into my head. I think of Brian Dennehy. They have a similar smile with like these big teeth and like these big wide faces. Um, we're going to kind of see this look a bit again with uh, Charles Napier in the next film as well, but I don't believe he's from Massachusetts. I didn't look to, to make sure, though. But again, with him, yes, it's a small town. You get the idea that he knows everybody. I think he's just pulling off that, like, hey, I'm a police officer type of swagger. I'm the guy that's in charge. I'm the sheriff. I have to always be presenting with confidence and, you know, I am a leader. And, again, we're in this you know, small north, you know, northwest town of hope. Um, I love the fact that it was cold. I love the fact that you see steam coming out of Sylvester Stallone's mouth. You know, these days all mm-hmm. that stuff is, like, done digitally and everything. Like, you yeah. know, watching him yeah. walk down when, when he's breathing and you see that steam coming out of his mouth and he puts his hands in his pocket, you know it's just because he was cold. Um, it just, it's so much more believable and real. Teasel starts pushing his buttons like right off the bat. And I think this is one of the things that in the book they do a better job of because in the book it's taking place, you know, at the time where the war is still going on and we're still having these problems. You know, in the book, Sylvester Stone, Sylvester Stone, geez, in the book, Rambo's got long hair, long beard. Teasel's problem is the fact that he thinks he's a hippie. He doesn't think that he's a soldier. I kind of think in a way the choice of putting the army jacket on him with the flag was almost a mistake because I would feel like the Teasel character being that this is, you know, a couple of years after we're out of Vietnam and sure, maybe there's still some negativity about it, but for the most part, I think by 82, you know, or let's say 81, I think we were at least looking at it in a sympathetic way towards the soldiers a little bit more. Um, we weren't hating and protesting them the way we were in 72 anymore. You know what I mean? So I would think that this guy is a police officer. Here is a military guy 
why wouldn't you be treating them with at least some semblance of respect? The idea that you're just picking them up, you're going to take them through the town and just drop them off on the other way. And when he asks you if there's anywhere he could eat, you tell him 30 miles up the road. It's like, ah. Uh, well, and it's like, yeah, you're, I wish that you're, you're a dick. But also, you know, between, uh, you know, between when, when he lets him out of the car and talks about, you know, uh, taking a bath. And then when they get back to the station house, he says, clean him up. He smells like an animal. Teasel also does. Yeah, he's got the American flag jacket on. Uh, but in, in that time, even now, uh, you know, wearing a military jacket sometimes didn't necessarily mean you were a soldier. And two, uh, you know, he said, you know, he referred to him, he kept referring to him as a drifter. You know, uh, we don't want mm-hmm. drifters in this town, uh, you know. Clean yourself up. Get a haircut. Take a bath. You won't get hassled so much. Um, I don't think it was uh, anti-soldier uh, yet versus uh, just we don't want these you know traveling vagabonds uh, you know dirtying up our town uh, that I'm you know uh, it's boring and I get paid to keep it that way. Uh, so yes, uh, interesting exchange. Which, yeah, and then more- you know. It made more sense in the book with the whole hippie portion of it. You know what I mean? We don't want you types here. Even again, I don't know if it was a Sylvester Stallone choice, if they didn't want to put like the full beard on him or let him grow out the beard or something. Um, I don't know. I just feel like if they would have made him look less presentable, you know, when you're looking at this guy, he doesn't look like somebody that's not presentable. You know, like, yeah, is his hair a little bit long? Yes, it is. But, like, when I was reading the book, in my head, I'm picturing somebody, honestly, I'm picturing somebody that looks like Tommy, you know, Mr. Gilbert, his uh, his older brother, was, like, the person walking through yeah, the town yeah, totally, at that point. Totally. Uh, that's the kind of image I'm getting. So now, like, I can look at that image and say, okay, you know, somebody sees somebody walking through town that looks like that. You don't know him. He's not a local. Now I could understand where you're coming from when you're saying, like, hey, you know, who are you? The guy's giving you a little bit of guff back and forth. Like, in this, it felt like everything was pushing – Teasel was doing everything to push the buttons. And Rambo even asks him, you know, like, why are you trying to push me? Like, even outright, as a polite way as you possibly could, kind of just, like, straightforward, like, man to man. Like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. And I will agree with what you say, because when you look at when you look at Stallone, like he doesn't look terrible. You know, we can't tell through the screen what he might smell like, but he doesn't look terrible Um, (laughs) like like you might like you might expect in that case. But, yeah, why are you pushing me? Uh, First of all, I asked the questions around here. Uh, You know, Teasel was having none of it. Uh, But Rambo starts to walk back through town. Uh, Teasel sees him through the side view or the rear view mirror, hits the brakes, goes back. Where are you going? grabs the wrist, Rambo pulls away, Teasel goes for the gun, and, uh, you know, Rambo gets placed under arrest. And I love the scene. And it took me a long time to, like, figure out what he was saying because it, Stallone is, is a mumbler in a lot of this film mm-hmm. and some of his others. Uh, but when Teasel takes this fucking gigantic knife out, out, out and uh, says, what do you need a fucking knife like this for? And he says, hunting. And he says, what are you, fucking comedian? Like, what do you hunt with a knife? And Rambo's just like, name it. You know, I, I couldn't figure out when I was a kid that he said, name it, you know, uh, I had no idea what the fuck he said there, but yeah, he says, name it, um, you know, and then Teasel brings him into, into, into the station. And, uh, here again is where, you know, the action is continuing, uh, to kind of layer up. And I love what 
you start to see in hindsight, finding out who Rambo is, uh, some of these little things. Like I love how he is taking in his surroundings and observing and seeing that case where all of the M16 guns are, uh, you know, seeing where his knife is, like he's like Rolodexing all of this. Like when you watch it now, you really see him kind of take in uh, his location. Uh, You don't yet know how that's going to come into play. Uh, But when you do, and you think back to that, uh, you're really starting to see uh, some of these, you know, for the level of soldier that he is, uh, these kind of soldier mindset calculations uh, going on. But when he gets brought downstairs, we meet Art Galt, who's a fucking son of a bitch motherfucker. Um, Like just a fucking good old boy, dirty fucking cop. Uh, We can do anything we want. We're the fucking police who puts the fucking hurt on Rambo, uh, beats him, uh, you know, turns the fire hose on him. Uh, You know, watching this as a little kid, like now it's like a it's turning revenge. Like when is Rambo? When are these guys going to get their comeuppance? Like, what is this guy going to do? You know, we see the dog tags. We know now that that Rambo is definitely a soldier, Um, you know, and they're still they're trying to get fingerprints they can't do that uh you know nothing is kind of working um before we get i mean we got we got david caruso's mitch character there who's who's kind of trying to to diffuse the situation a little bit you can tell that he's young you can tell that he's you know i I took it as like he was a rookie you know just new to the force and rookie you know you got these completely completely uncomfortable with what you're seeing yeah yes and, you know, he, once he sees the dog tags, he's like, hey, this guy's a soldier. Um, you know, Gaul is definitely treating him like a chip on his, soul, on his shoulder with it. Um, you know, if, if Kiesel's character isn't the full-on villain of this movie, Galt is definitely portrayed as that. You know, this is the guy who is just straight-up disrespectful to Rambo as a human being. He is the kind, you know, the, the kind of police officers that we hear stories about now that you're like, wow, well, this is, you know, this is what you kind of expect from, from that type of, of guy. Uh, but, yeah, he hits him with the nightstick, you know, even after seeing all of the scars on his body. But, again, here we are. We're in 1981, 1982. They pulled the dog tags off of him. They know he's a soldier. They see all these scars on him. Like, this is where in the, the narrative of the, the, the book, I feel like they just did a better job of building up to this, this give and take between the police officers and Rambo. His mindset of not giving them anything, and that's why he was doing what he was doing. And, like, in the, in the movie, you're not getting that. I feel like all you were getting was just, just this villainy from their end, and specifically Galt. And, you know, just John here is just the, you know, he's just suffering through all of this, suffering through it all quietly, you know, and now we're going to get the haircut sequence, well, a shave with a straight razor. Now in the book, he takes that razor and guts the guy. And that's what sets this whole thing off. And here, he's going to beat some people up, knock a couple guys out. Everything is non-lethal and he's going to make his break. And then the movie pretty much doesn't stop from here on out. Yeah, at all. And yeah, you know, I'd just like to say too, that sequence uh, when he takes his uh, shirt off for the first time and you see those scars, like that's one of those that I so clearly remember being like, what the fuck, you know? Uh, And then when he starts to have, when he starts to have, uh, and and a reason for that, because at that time, uh, of seeing this, like my favorite movies were like the original Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, but this was much more real 
seeing for me, uh, seeing a film that was more action, uh, you know, but also more real than kind of fantasy action adventure. And uh, when he sees the razor come out and starts to have and sees the bars in the windows and starts to have these flashbacks to what happened to him in Vietnam, especially when that commander takes that giant blade and drags it across his fucking chest before Rambo goes apeshit in the film. Now, now you're mm-hmm. starting to get a clear picture of, 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 of who this person is and what they've been through. And, uh, you know, I can't recall it. I wish I could recall it if at the time I had already seen things like Missing in Action or Missing in Action 2, but I don't remember. Uh, but, yeah. Well, those were a couple uh, years after. So Missing in Action 1 was like 1984, I, I think. So if I remember right, Missing I'm in Action. I'm talking about... But I'm but I'm talking about when I saw First Blood, not when it came out. Gotcha, for the first time, if you had already seen Missing in Action. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When exactly. I think of, like, the late 80s, as I was reaching, you know, my, my tween years, let's say, like 10 and 11, when I was kind of going back and revisiting a lot of movies that I did see at younger ages that maybe I didn't understand, Raiders of the Lost Ark, stuff like that, um, I do remember, like, looking at this weird parallel of the missing in action films and the Rambo movies and like the missing in action movies were all like a more serious take on what Vietnam was and the Rambo movies, first blood and first, you know, well, not even really first blood. I was just thinking Rambo, honestly, um, was just like the over the top version of that. You know, I didn't yeah, even still, pick you know, up at the time all, that first blood came first, you know, you know, and again, I, I I don't have the order in my brain of when I saw these things, but these were all things that I wasn't supposed to be watching. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you remember the layout, if you remember the layout in my parents' house where my bedroom was and where my brother's bedroom was, when I was a little kid, uh, back at this time, my brother and I had opposite rooms. So the room down the hall across from my parents' room was my bedroom. And, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, when this stuff would be like on like like Cinemax and shit, not First Blood, but I definitely recall the missing in action films. When my parents, like it was our bedtime and my parents would be downstairs, like I would quietly creep across the hall and watch TV uh, in their bedroom, like sitting right in front of the screen with the sound on super low and then like creep back in. So I know I had seen, if not from start to finish, I had seen movies like Missing in Action and Missing in Action 2, like in, in bits and pieces, you know, knowing I wasn't supposed to be watching them, but I was watching them anyway. Uh, but yes, mm-hmm. when, 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 when Rambo... Uh, bursts out of the police station, and uh, and that's a very important piece that you said was that all non-lethal, you know, you know, injuries, sure, but he doesn't kill anybody. Gets that bike and takes off. Yes, this film doesn't let up for the rest of the time, uh, even from start to finish. One of the things that I love about First Blood, and it's what 91 minutes or 93 minutes or something like that. Uh, there, it's it's so lean in its runtime, and it's like there's not a wasted minute. Um, you know, from start to finish. It's like every minute is purposeful. There's no lag. I don't find any of it to drag. Um, you know, every every sequence advances the story, whether it's through action, through conversation, through introduction of characters. And, uh, you know, and it's also like special effects wise, it's all practical. We're not seeing any, any you know, any trickery, um, trickery perhaps, but it's all legit like stunt work, uh, real people. Uh, Stallone leapt off that fucking rock face. When he lands in those fucking trees, he broke his fucking ribs. That scream that he lets out was his fucking real reaction. Uh, you know? <laughs> and that's one of the things that I love about First Blood is that it's so fucking real. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, again, we're talking before CGI. I mean, obviously, look, they were using it as wars and shit. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, lot of things in this movie, especially when you watch it now and you compare it to a lot of the 70s-style films with car chases and stuff like that. This particular sequence, just ha- it just screams that, that very era, you know, the Smokey and the Bandits and things like that. Cars jumping off of streets, you know, and Rambo on the, on, the, on the dirt bike, you know, flying through the woods and everything. And then they're doing these shots where the camera is kind of like off to the side but down and the car is jumping over it. You know, and, and then we have that very practical car crash where it just rolls down the side of the cliff, you know, and out climbs Teasel, you know, knowing where, where Rambo's going to be, but, you know, now needing, needing everybody to come in to, uh, to help him chase this guy down, including yeah, Orville I, and I the do dogs say, and a chopper. <laughs> I do have to say, too, though, uh, in that chase sequence with the, with the motorbike, uh, the scene when you see the police car go flying over the railroad tracks, uh, the stunt mm-hmm. driver... Uh, in that scene, uh, got seriously injured. And uh, also, when Teasel is driving on that side road, when his car goes, like, tipping down the hill, uh, that was not planned. Like, that was a legit, like, the car slipped off the fucking hill, and they left it in there, um, if you didn't notice. Nice. No, I, I was not aware of it. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I only own these on a digital copy. I know there's a Blu-ray set that actually has a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, commentary, uh, like during the film and everything. I, I'm going to grab it one of these days, maybe after uh, Last Blood gets released and I'll get a you know a box set with all five of them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, you know, Stallone, he made that, you know, jump, uh, I think, three times. And on, on, the, on the one time, like, he, he, like, cracked his ribs up uh, pretty badly. Um, and when you hear him scream, like I said, that's his legit reaction. So I, I love that. I love that he was involved in, in the stunts and all of that, because this is truly, uh, you know, the whole chase sequence, uh, you know, then when the dogs come in in the pursuit, uh, you know, up until the helicopter shows up uh, where we have our first death. Uh, we have Art Galt, who is ignoring all fucking orders and just has blood in his eyes and is shooting to kill even when Teasel's like, stop shooting, I want him alive. Like, Galt isn't listening at all. Uh, Galt wants to kill. And, uh, you know, we, do you think there's an argument to be made in, uh, you know, the police viewing Rambo as a killer after Galt falling off the helicopter? Because all Rambo did was hit the fucking windshield with a rock, uh, which caused the pilot to jerk the helicopter, which is what caused Galt to fall out. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, but... It's, it's his responsibility, but Galt was not listening to orders, was shooting to kill, and you can argue that Rambo was defending his life. Yes, this is true, but at the same time, too, I mean, from a legal standpoint, Rambo is definitely at fault. You know, he is evading arrest. You know, had he surrendered himself, this wouldn't yes, this be an is issue. Um, so the fact when he, when he does get down... He throws the rock. Now, yeah, is Galt just as much to blame here? Yeah, because he's shooting to kill. He's not listening to, to orders. He's not even answering Kiesel at this point. Um, and, yeah, once Galt is dead, it establishes what the book established earlier. Uh, when he guts that police officer in the book, in the station with the razor, and kills him, this is what makes this a very personal 
thing to Teasel. It was the very first thing, you know. You, you just took down one of his men. Um, and if you know how police officers are, and even if you look at, you know, just watch the news, watch things like high-speed chases, and watch how these cops take these guys down. Because a lot of times they're taking it personal because you're putting so many lives, especially blue lives, on the line when you're doing things like this. Um, so now when you establish that with Galt doing it, you know, Galt's dead. Now this becomes more personal for Teasel. He took down one of his own. Teasel's not going to take any shit here. Now Teasel wants this guy. Rambo is surrendering. He's putting his hands up. He's saying, look, I don't want anymore. Now he's not telling him that he will allow himself to be taken in. That's the one thing I question here. Because you have uh, either Mitch or Ward saying, oh, it looks like he's surrendering. You know, he's standing there at the bottom of the cliff. He's got his hands up, but he's saying, I don't want to fight. One man's dead already. I don't want any more deaths. You know, and they're just, they, they all got their guns trained on them. They, they take a couple of shots, but Teasel tells them to stop shooting. He doesn't want Rambo dead. He wants to arrest this guy. Yeah. And, you know, on the heels of this, before Rambo goes to investigate uh, Galt's body, uh, we have a scene where, <laughs> and it's so fucking classic, uh, where Stallone fucking stitches himself up opens up the bottom of the survival knife, takes out his supplies, and, uh, you know, stitches the cut on his arm uh, with a great effect, too. Love the evolution um, of the knife. I just, I know. I just, and I, but I just love that sequence. It's just showing you, like, how much of a fucking badass this guy is. He's stitching him. He's giving himself stitches, like, sitting there in the middle of the forest. Then he gets over there. He tries, he, he sees, he sees uh, you know, Galt's body. He gets the gun. And then he tries to turn himself in. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, and then they take some pot shots at him, and uh, but that's the thing. He tries to do it, and like I said, though, I don't know if he's trying to turn himself in as much as he's simply saying, like, "Look, you guys leave me be. I'll leave you guys. You know, this is it. This guy dead, and I don't want to be responsible for it anymore." Like I said, he's not. You know, they say that the guy he says, "Oh, look, it looks like he's surrendering," but at no point does he say, "You guys can take me in." You know, at no point is he really doing anything other than just putting his hands up and saying, hey, look, I'm I'm unarmed. I'm not firing at you guys. Somebody's dead here. Why don't you guys take yours, go home, leave me alone? Right, because then he does say, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. There's one man dead. I don't want any more hurt. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so it's kind of here where, you know, they bring in Orville with the dogs, and they're hunting First Blood. I mean, First Blood. They're hunting Rebo, and... Uh, but here now is where the movie kind of changes. Here is where the hunted for the first time becomes the hunter. Um, you mm-hmm. have Teasel and and all his deputies, uh, you know, still on the hunt. But now Rambo has set all his traps and takes them out with such like with such precision. Doesn't kill anyone. In severe injuries until he faces off with Teasel. And I just love this scene when Rambo comes out of the bushes, puts the blade right to Teasel's throat, and you just see, like, the rage and the hate in Rambo's face that's basically just saying, don't fuck with me. You have no fucking idea what's going to happen. I love this scene. And then Rambo disappears. 
uh, and Kiesel's left with a, with his his whole fucking posse uh, out of and a wounded ego. Uh, <laughs> the wounded ego starts to cry, puts his head in his hands. Um, <laughs> Listen, man, but you so, know what? As somebody that w- I got into a car accident once in which a dump truck. You know, I was pulling out of my driveway on the house that I used to live in, and the light, which at this point I was unaware, did a staggered change sometimes, where one side went red while the other side stayed green. I always assumed when the one side went red, so did the other. So as I went to pull out in my truck, and this dump truck was flying from the other direction, um, you know, and I realized that there was no stopping on his end. So, you know, I jammed the brakes on mine. He was able to swerve and basically the side of his truck dragged along the front of my work truck at the time. You know, thankfully, no, I didn't get hurt or anything like that. But I just remember after dealing with all the cops, dealing with everything, you know, for the report. And I remember going in my house and sitting on my bed afterwards and realizing that if I would have went out like another foot, this dump truck would have taken off the front end of my work truck, likely killing me and putting me completely out of commission. And I just lost it. You know, just the idea that like, you know, like I was looking at my one kid who's, I think she might've been two at the time. And I just started bawling like, holy shit to be that close and realize it at the same time was like, wow. Um, So that, that's kind of where I feel like diesel is at this point where it was that close but, you know, he does get let go. I don't see rage or anger in, in Stallone's face or performance here. I see a guy that has full control of his facility still. Like you said, everything that he does here is completely non-lethal, unlike the book in which he was killing them. You know, he killed every single one of them, was going to kill Teasel, but, you know, by happenstance, by overthinking Teasel gets away in the book at this sequence here. Um, in this case, you know, he gets Teasel, he gets his hands on him, he lets him go, and then this is where we get introduced to the to the next portion of this, in which now we have the National Guard, the state troopers, and we get introduced to another, you know, total important factor in this series, which is Sam Troutman. Yeah, so tell me your thoughts on Richard Trepanis, Richard Trenner's performance on Colonel Samuel Troutman. So for me with Troutman, right, I think of Troutman, I always think first and foremost part two. That is like the the, the main version. The other thing that always comes into my head for Troutman is the end of First Blood. You know, him in the police station with Rambo and Stallone's full breakdown that he has at that point. So those are always the two two Troutmans that I always picture. Um, Watching it this time around and now looking at it from the eyes that I, I look at it with, and I know me and you had traded back and forth on a couple things, like I had said, you know, like I, I felt like an actor, if they were ever to do a remake, they want to redo this character, uh, I said Jason Bateman. Now, you disagree with that because of the, the look. You don't feel like he's got the depth. Uh, Richard Craner was in World War II. Um, he served as a radio man uh, during the Battle of the Bulge, and he also did some time over in the Pacific Theater working on the radio there. Uh, an established actor from television serials and all kinds of stuff that, you know, went on throughout the years. He was not their first choice. They wanted Kirk Douglas. Douglas wanted too many changes. He wanted the script to, to end more similar to the movie. He wanted a more important role. They said, goodbye, see you later. They brought in Krenna, who had to learn his lines while he was going in the movie. The other thing, which I definitely picked up on this time around, and... 
I, I don't know for sure, because I heard this in a story from somebody else. Krenna's performance comes off in this movie at times as a little fey, I feel. Or like, you know, like his body accents and movements are a little bit feminine. Uh, for years, there were, you know, all kinds of rumors, as a lot of these guys back in that time frame, were they homosexuals or not? But that wasn't the case here with Krenna. Supposedly, he was come, when they picked him up to do this role for this movie, he was performing as a homosexual man in a play. So his first couple of times reading the lines for this came off very homosexual. And they had to keep like redoing things and being like, no, listen, we need you to be a guy. We need you to be straight. And it was one of those, those weird things where an actor has to go from being one type of performer to another type. And it's just one of those things that just gives me a lot of respect for them. And I think you see it as the character evolves to the next movie and to the next movie where Troutman becomes more established than what you see here in this one. But yeah, he's great. You know, I, like I never. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I never. It's interesting you say that about what he was doing when he signed on for this role because I had never thought that, uh, you know, at all. Uh, if anything, I thought his performance and his character, uh, you know, to Teasel, uh, was in a way like condescending. Like you're, you're in the minor leagues. Like I'm above you. You have no idea what you're doing, and I know everything, and you know nothing. Uh, I never thought of his performance as being you know effeminate um just kind of like like i know and you don't know um you know his lines are so um so many of his lines are so like kind of aggrandized in that fashion i mean uh you know god didn't make rambo i made rambo um you know <laughs> i love that intro man <laughs> i know i know i mean but just you know I don't think you understand. I didn't come here to rescue Rambo from you. I came to rescue you from him. Like that's that's like so condescending to the fucking police. And then he says, "You want a war you can't waste? Two hundred men against your boy is a no-win situation for us." You, you said that many don't forget one thing. What a good supply of body bags. Like all his statements were like, "You are a fucking idiot." So like I always saw him as being kind of condescending. Uh, and Teasel like oh. gets pissed at him all the time because because of that. I never really thought well, of his performance as being fair or feminine. Yeah, well, again, I didn't think of it in that way until watching it now. When I look back at it when I was a kid watching it, yeah, I mean, this was, you know, Colonel Troutman. This was the guy. Wow, this is the guy that trained Rambo. Holy cow, he must be an even bigger badass, you know? <laughs> this is the guy that, that got all this out of him. Um, like, like I was watching it with this, you know, with these eyes now and looking at the performance and watching his body movements and all of that stuff, which is why I picked up on these little things. Um, but yeah, again, Troutman is great. Krenna is great. I absolutely see through his lines, the, the condescension, you know, the condescension going on there. Um, he knows what this soldier is capable of. You know, he knows full well what this guy went through. He saw it. He was there. He not only trained him, but he was there, you know, so he knows at least what his boy can do. And, and we get that from Teasel, you know, saying that, you know, we think that, you know, I think that you just hear because you want to know why your monster's broken, you know, which again, brings the other thing into play here where at heart, you know, first blood is very much a Frankenstein's monster type of deal, you know, with Troutman being Dr. Frankenstein, Stallone, you know, Rambo being the monster. Sure. 
Yeah. And, you know, they try to get Troutman to, uh, you know, get in touch with them on the radio, which he's able to do. Uh, Stallone, Stallone Rambo refuses to surrender, uh, says he's not coming in. He says, you know, I just wanted something to eat. Uh, they drew first blood, not me. And, you know, they send in the National Guard to try to blow him off the mountain. Uh, that doesn't quite work. Uh, everyone thinks Rambo is dead. Uh, he's obviously not dead. And he emerges, uh, steals an army truck, drives back into town, and basically burns the whole town down. Yeah, pretty much is that that's all of it in a nutshell you know there's uh the national guard come in you know these are guys that you know to this day even though maybe training you know methods are a little bit different and whatnot they're still looked at as the weekend warriors you know these guys have to come in once a weekend uh well like once every other month once every six months or something like that just to go through some some very basic military strategies these aren't your full-term soldiers that are you know are are regular military guys so you know these guys are talking about going back to work you know which is why they can't stay here all weekend you know try to take pot shots at this guy or risk getting killed by him um but again like you know this movie you know we see a very controlled soldier because we don't see john kill anybody other than galt and galt's death Again, the rock gets thrown. If Galt was doing what he was supposed to do, would have never been thrown from the helicopter. So, sure, but is it a is it a truly controlled soldier? Uh, if his enemy is Teasel and he's not going straight for Teasel, like there's no reason for him to be exploding gas stations, uh, you know, and sporting goods stores and setting the whole town on fire. Uh, who knows what cave, kind of innocent? After the cave. After yeah. the cave. After the cave. The cave. Um, it's almost like, you know, the character in the book, the flip switches in the jail cell downstairs, you know, at the very mm-hmm. beginning of the book. Well, yeah, I mean, he eviscerates Gull. Exactly. So in this, I think the cave serves as that flip of the switch. It's at this point that, you know, everything for him becomes about getting Teasel. So, yeah, it's still control. You know, because when he jumps in that truck after he gets out of the cave, he doesn't kill those soldiers. He throws them out of the truck. You know, he even tells the guy to get out of the truck in the one. He even, t- mm-hmm. he even busts yeah. a joke with the, you know, this is how accidents happen. You know, a total, sto- a total Stallone groaner. But, you know, it works at the moment. It gives you a little bit of levity in the situation. But, again, everything is framed here to show you that Rambo is a hero. Rambo is not looking to kill just anybody Rambo is looking to go after one man, one man only, the one man that he feels is the one that did him wrong and started this entire situation. So, yes, this is completely a soldier in control. In the book, it is very clear that Rambo is in full-on survival mode. It is all about making sure that not only are you staying alive, you're taking out the people that are hunting you so that they can't hunt you anymore. Um, and that's a big difference here. It's, it's a huge change as far as it goes because it takes him from being, you know, what some people perceive as like a, a psychotic PTSD soldier to being a sympathetic character that is now the hero of your story. Whereas I feel like in the book, there is no hero. Both of them are justifiably wrong in everything that they're doing. 
Right. So we have Rambo, as we were saying, burning down the entire town. Uh, finally approaches the police station and empties his M60 into the entire building, of which Teasel is the only one there hiding on the roof. Uh, Rambo sees him. Uh, Rambo goes in, sees him, uh, shoots out the windows. Teasel falls in, and he's about to kill Teasel uh, when Troutman shows up, uh, you know, bringing us to, to, you know, to quite an emotional end sequence, um, you know, much different than the tone of the rest of the film where we have, uh, you know, a really good performance from Stallone as he breaks down, uh, you know, uh, and goes, you know, kind of slips from like anger uh, to, to sadness uh, about his plight, uh, you know, talking about his proud military history, uh, about, you know, being able to drive a tank. Uh, flying a gunship, being in charge of million-dollar equipment, and now not even being able to hold the job parking cars, uh, being spit on, called baby killer. Um, all his, all his, all his friends, you know, all his platoon mates, all gone. Um, and now in this situation where it all came spilling over, uh, and he tells a story about being, uh, you know, overseas in the war, and uh, you know, one of his friends like getting killed right there on the streets. And, uh, you know, starts to starts to break down crying into the arms of Troutman. And I think this is a great performance from Krenna because, you know, Krenna, he's 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 Colonel. Like he was sent in there to just get that guy out and get away. Uh, Sure, uh, he must have some type of affinity for Rambo. But like it's you see this this such uncomfort with having to play this comforting role. And I think it's a very nuanced and really cool performance from Krenna as Rambo starts to collapse into his arms. I really think if you Absolutely. watch Krenna closely in that scene, it's, it's really cool. No, it's, it is fantastic. Like I said, for me, when I think of Krenna, I think of the next movie. I think of the end of this movie. And, yeah, it is all nuance. It's all looks. It's all body language. It's him taking on the role of almost he's a a parent figure at this point you know sometimes as a parent you have to just sit there and allow your child to just spout off and let all of these emotions and all of these feelings and it's not that they want judgment it's not that they want an answer they don't want a solution they just want to be heard and that's all rambo wants right here that's all he wants he just wants to be left alone and because he's tortured by the things that he sees, he goes through a story about one of the other guys in his unit that he worked, that he served with. And the guy, a kid with a shoeshine box blew up, blew it up and the guy's legs. And he's talking about, you know, I'm trying to put them together and his legs, are, I don't I can't find his legs. And I see it every night. And he's talking about how like, you know, he goes days, weeks, he won't talk to anybody because he just, he can't, relate and communicate to the regular person because of the horrors and the atrocities and the things that he saw in Vietnam. And that is the, the, that is the story that you got in the book that that's Stallone putting it right here for you in a visual way. This is my favorite part by far. I know all of this movie, you know, there's a lot of cool action sequences, all this stuff. When I think of first blood, this scene for me, and I know it gets parodied because of, you know, Stallone with the marble mouth and all that, but I feel it, you know, like I look at it, I feel it, you know, Bonnie, who hadn't seen this movie in years, she was in this room today when I rewatched it again, and she's watching that scene and she's like, that's fucking sad, and yeah, it is, because you see it, 
and that is fantastic. So, yeah, Krenna sells it. Stallone sells it. Kiesel's still alive. So, you know, at that point, yeah. roll credits. We know that they are taking Rambo away. He's going to surrender. Yeah, they surrender. take Rambo in. Uh, they have that moment where Rambo stops and look at him before Troutman continues to lead him out of there. And, uh, and, and there we have it. Uh, did you know that uh, with the original version of First Blood, we had a running time of almost three minutes, uh, three minutes, almost three hours. And Stallone and his agent tried to buy all of the prints and all of the footage so they can burn it so nobody would ever see it. And then they were able to whittle it down to, to this, to what we have now, this 92 or 93 minute film. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's crazy to think about. So, but yeah, I know that right? you know, there was a, this movie was being developed for a while, and there were yeah. other actors, you know, on board to take up the Rambo role. There were other actors on board to be Troutman, and it just never lined up. It never lined up right until they finally were no, able to get this well, together with this cast and everything. And th- thankfully for thankfully for us, that is the case. And then that brings us to Rambo. First Blood Part 2 from 1985, which picks up, uh, for the most part, right where First Blood uh, left off, where you have Rambo serving time in a work prison uh, to make up for his crimes in the first film. And you have Colonel Samuel Troutman uh, coming to see him and get him out of prison with a special assignment. And uh, this uh, (laughs) sets us off on a course that is much, much, much different than the previous film. <laughs> Again, I remember us hanging out in your room, having these discussions while, you know, under the influence of certain mind-altering chemicals. And, you know, whenever we would talk about LSD. First Blood, yes, mushrooms. absolutely, you know, mushrooms, LSD, mostly LSD, dude. I think we mushrooms were a rare thing that came around here every now and again. LSD, we always made sure it was pretty prevalent, considering we were the ones fucking handling it half the time. But regardless, very true. you know, we would discuss this movie and this series, and we'd be like, you know, there was First Blood, which was like a poignant, important story, and it was a drama as much as it was action. And then there's Rambo. And I know every time we would say that, and even right now, every time I say it, I do the bow and arrow pose. Because it's yeah, like, you know, that it's is funny. the epitome of well, it. I agree with that completely. And the thing, what's, what's my take on that is that when I do that with the bow and arrow pose, I don't think, even though we're introduced to him with the bow in part two, I think of that as more of kind of like a joke and a knock at what part three was. Um, you know, because my feelings about the second film are much different than my feelings about the third film. Uh, doing the both a Rambo in the bow, like I think of that as like a joke towards Rambo three. And I, I, you might feel differently, but that's how I've always viewed that. Yeah, no, for me it's all Rambo two because I just remember being a kid, see it. Now I know completely one hundred percent. Remember seeing this in the movie theaters. Um, again, important part of my childhood. I was at that like perfect ripe age of like eight or nine yeah. when Rambo came out. Yeah, the fucking greatest movie you've ever seen in your fucking life. Exactly. You know, as it is, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a big Star Wars nerd at that time. Um, I love movies. I like action stuff. I had seen Terminator. And then I go to the movie theaters and I see this, which, you know, what stands out for me, like I said, I think bow and arrow. I think, wow, they have arrows that that blow up 
exploding. That's the coolest <laughs> fucking thing yeah. I've ever the seen. Exploding tipped arrow, and you don't even know at the start. You just see him kind of twisting those fucking heavy duty tips uh, onto them. But then when you finally get to see them in use, it's fucking ridiculous. Never seen anything mm-hmm. like that before in a movie. And one of the things too, and I don't know this by the time that I saw Rambo: First Blood too, I was a kid that you know when they were selling all of this shit, like I was all in. I was all in, especially after seeing First Blood about the plight of the Vietnamese, the Vietnam veteran, uh, and and POWs. When I was talking about this earlier in the show, like I was mm-hmm. hook, line, and sinker. And by the time I had seen Rambo: First Blood Part Two, I had seen First Blood. I had seen. Uh, the first two missing in action films. I had seen Uncommon yep. Valor. Uh, there's a made-for-HBO movie with Tommy Lee Jones that I love that was before that was a book that I also like called The Park is Mine about a troubled Vietnam veteran that takes over Central Park. Um, you know, I was all in. I would run around in the fucking woods around my fucking house playing fucking POW. Uh, you know, mm. I was the target fucking audience. And Rambo First Blood is like the fucking crown jewel of all of those fucking movies. Yeah, there was an entire entire movement of films like we see today. We see we still see it. You know, something comes out that is like a game changer of some sort or starts a surge of some sort that every movie studio then says like, "Well, hey, we're going to jump in on this." And what we got were all of this, here we are a decade after, you know, pulling out of Vietnam. You know, it's the war that, again, when you remember, like, I don't know about you, but I know, like, when we went to school as kids, um, you know, when they would breeze through certain things in history, Vietnam was the thing that, you know, the one thing that always stood out is it's the only war we lost. Like, that's what I remember being taught in school is that, you know, we lost the Vietnam War. So this whole entire surge of films came out that were all about us going back in there to either finish these things or to save the guys that we left behind. So just like you, you know, you have Rambo, First Blood Part Two, Missing in Action, Missing in Action 2. You have all of these films that are all about, you know, these, these, these fantasies of what we want to do. We're in, you know, the middle of the cold war or uh, not the middle of it. Sorry. We're nearing the end of the cold war unbeknownst to us really at this time. We know as, as little kids, you know, but these are all these things that they're talking about. They're coming on, you know, the fall of the Berlin wall is happening. Like there's all this, this crazy shit between Reagan and everything. And this was just everything. I was all in too, man. You know, like for me, but when I say I was all in, I was all in with the fucking bandana. I was all in with the gun belt going across my chest, my skinny, scrawny all of little it. ass. All of it. Okay. Headband. Running Headband. around with the machine guns, the grenades, yep. you name it. I had all of this shit. Not Rambo branded, mind you. You know, I just went to whatever random stores just to have like all these types of things and weapons and fun stuff because that's what we did as kids back then. I agree completely, man. Uh, I would I would t- tear up old T-shirts and make headbands. Um, you know, <laughs> back in this time, you can still get uh, like toy machine guns in the in the toy store that still looked fairly real. Um, I would use I stole from like my parents all, like the 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 belts from their bathrobes to like make straps so the gun you could like carry it across your fucking shoulder. 
Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, spend, you know, the bridge across the street from my parents' house. I'd be under there down in the fucking creek running all over the fucking neighborhood back there uh, with my guns and my, I had a survival knife that uh, wasn't like a Rambo branded toy, but looked just like a, a, a Rambo survival knife. Uh, I had that. Uh, <laughs> And, 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 you know, and, and, and boots and I'd be in there, I'd come back like head to toe covered in fucking mud, uh, and fucking loved it. It was like the greatest fucking time. And I would be doing this for the, like most of the time all by myself and like having the greatest time in the world. Oh yeah. No, I I had a few friends that we would do with living in Staten Island, a little bit different. We didn't have as many, you know, as much woodsy areas and whatnot like that to, to play with. But we had an area that we called the Creek which was pretty much what you would consider like a, a square block, let's say, that had like a waterway that went down next to it, which was actually the sewer. Um, but whatever, you know, it was just runoff. So we would use that. We would have the, you know, these, these, you'd have all these reeds and shit like that. Like when I would say I'd recreate the mud scene from this movie. I mean, I would recreate the mud scene, and you can, you know, if you want to give her a call, I'm sure my mother would love to give you a detailed yelling explanation of how many times I'd lose shoes in that big suctiony mud pit and come back with, like, new clothes that are completely 100% ruined because I was head-to-toe covered with, like, just wet, nasty mud from just, you know, having to lay in it and play, you know, guns and war and all of these things back then. Yeah. All because of this movie. And, uh, mm-hmm, absolutely. And yes, you talked about the mud scene. And here, we have a much different Rambo because we see him using all his skills and all his tactics. But here, he's also killing. As after yes. he escapes. Uh, he's also killing now. Um, the, you know, they introduce, uh, you know, the female character who, uh, you know, rescues him from his capture. And they have a romantic connection, which, uh, you know, I feel uh, it's kind of a little bit of a, a strange part of the film in a way. Uh, I don't think it slows it down, uh, but I'm just curious. And like, I don't really care to like research and find out. I'm curious as to, to where, the, based on the rest of the movie, where the decision came in uh, when introducing Ko to... Uh, you know, have kind of like a little bit of a love story in here. I guess it sets up uh, Rambo like truly losing his mind and killing everyone before he gets the rest of the POWs out. Um, but it's an interesting little twist, uh, different than all the other uh, Rambo movies. I don't know if you'd call it that. I don't know what you would call it. I think this is just one of those decisions. Maybe it was a Stallone decision. Maybe it was an executive thing where they just felt like maybe they needed to get a female in there or they just needed to give Rambo that little extra push. You know, like the, the, the literally in First Blood, the name of the town is Hope. You know, that's what Rambo wanted. All Rambo needed was hope. He was despondent when he entered, and, you know, he just he didn't even get it there. And that was the name of the town. In this film, hope is represented by, by Ko, okay? <laughs> who is his, his informant that he's supposed to meet over there, wasn't expecting it to be a girl. It's a girl, and, of course, she's a good-looking girl. And, uh, and, yeah, somehow a love story forms in there that is, like, seriously, as a kid – I think maybe if any, like it was just more of the uh, like okay, let's move on, please. 
Okay, let's move on, please. I think Ko's whole death had more significance for me playing the Rambo video game for the NES than it ever did for the actual movie. That's really funny. That's really funny. And, you know, that's one thing I'm glad you brought up, too, because one of the things, because, you know, Rambo First Blood Part Two is like a fucking hard R movie. Uh, you know, this is not something that was a kid's movie, but somehow out of Rambo First Blood Part Two, this became like a, in a way, like a kid's movie. And like springing out of this in Three to Agree 2 became video games, entire toy lines of weapons mm-hmm. and uniforms and stuff. And action figures and a fucking a cartoon, cartoon series. series, a fucking cartoon series uh, for these like hardcore, like violent and, and we say hardcore violent and we haven't gotten to Rambo 4 or uh, Last Blood yet. But at the time, these were extremely violent movies. And somehow this became like like kid stuff, uh, which is quite fascinating if you think about it. Um we were before us, a time. Yeah, I mean, it was great for us. Because this was before a time in which. All right. So, you know how we had with like Temple of Doom, the whole PG 13 rating and all of that stuff came up. Um, yes. We come from an era before hypersensitivity of belief that watching these kind of things is what leads to people going insane and killing other people. Like, I don't remember any point as a kid, you know, somebody walking into a school, shooting people, and then that being blamed on a movie. Um, I think, you know, when we look at our parents, right, what did they grow up watching? We kind of even saw this recently in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, the idea that, you know, these we grew up watching death and killing, you know, cowboys versus Indians, war movies, all of these things. If they weren't graphic, fine. It was still implied. You know, when you'd watch like an old World War II movie and that plane dropped that bomb on that building, what do you think happened to the people inside the building? It wasn't like they walked out like, oh, oh, holy cow, man, you know, that fucking bomb blew up the building. I can't believe I'm okay. No, I mean, it was just, it was implied violence, implied death. Yes, this movie did show it, but I don't feel like this went to the graphical levels of detail that horror movies were going to at the time, which was what was getting all of the hatred. You know, all of the MPAA regulations, all of the parental, you know, all of the moms screaming about violence and whatnot, they were attacking the horror film industry. So movies like this, movies like Commando, movies like Predator, which all had like super hyper violent scenes in it and blood. And, you know, I mean, there's a scene in Commando where Arnold throws a freaking buzzsaw blade that cuts off the top of a man's head. And yet it slides right through without nary a thing. And that's a movie I grew up watching as a kid with my parents. Same when he hacks off. I watched. Yeah, in Commando, he just takes that fucking machete and chops that guy's arm right off. Exactly, you know. And again, these were movies that, like, it wasn't even like, oh, I shouldn't be watching them, but I'm allowed to. This was, hey, Keith, come watch Commando. Hey, Keith, you know, yeah. I'm getting some stuff from the, uh, from whatever, the video thing, the Columbia House. You know, what movie do you want? I want Predator. And I, you know, that's what I got. And there was no problem watching it. There was no problem watching it with them. We were able to enjoy it because, one, we knew that it was fictional. Two, even though we would go out and play in these ways, 
that's what it was. It was just play. And I don't know if you would consider that an innocence, if you would consider that just naivety, or were we just really like such products of a different time? You know, it's just it's, it's baffling when you see some of the things that go on in today's society. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's two of those things. I think it is. It's being. It's a product of a different time. That is innocence. Um, completely. At least that's what I. Oh, again, I mean, if if innocence is, you know, watching Rambo shoot up a bunch. Now, granted, does this lead towards racism? In some ways, you know, like, hey man, yeah, you know, look at Rambo shooting down all them, you know any number of racial slurs, even though, again, even in this, a movie in which he is doing that, he's only doing it to the people that are putting him in that position because they are attacking him. They are holding American soldiers hostage. They are still the enemy. Um, yet there really is no no heavy racism involved with this film as far as, you know, any kind of, like, slurs or anything to that effect. So, stuff you might think, like, in today's type of films, you might see that a little more often. Just for yeah, titillation I mean, purposes, if anything, you know? Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like Rambo First Blood 2 was this just this gigantic cultural phenomenon. Uh, you know, it's, one, it's on all the time. Like, you know, probably in the past two months, uh, I've probably seen at least parts of this movie five or six times. I feel like every other day right now, AMC is showing all of the Rambo movies. Um, well, probably lead you know. up to Last Blood coming out as well, though. So... Gotta yeah. remember, if we've but got I feel like that's kind of coming the out, there's always a reason. Well, again, for me, it was like like we've said, you know, it was a product of its time. It was a huge phenomena, not just here, globally as well. This launched, you know, a franchise into the stratosphere. You know, it took it. There were video games, like I, I had mentioned, that I remember playing full well. Um, you know, I, I remember the little selection sequences where you could pick certain choices it was like a contra um esque type of game but it had a couple of different like little nuances to it that that kind of made it slightly different and the cartoony version of uh of rambo of stallone was hysterical but uh but yeah again this this built all of that and then they made rambo 3 which was uh uh-huh yeah so the first thing i want to ask you about that you know given like what a massive, humongous thing Rambo First Blood Part 2 was. Do you think that by the time Rambo 3 had come out, uh, you know, this style of action movie in general, do you think Rambo 3 suffered from interests of the movie-going public changing, or did it suffer from the fact that it's not that good, or is it a combination of both of those things? I think, all right, so so when you look at the book, the novel that the franchise is based on, right, the series is always, as much as it's always about, like, super action, blowing things up, having all kinds of big gunfights, it also always tries to tackle poignant topics at the time. So by 1988, communism had been defeated. The Soviets were no longer our enemy. You know, Gorbachev and Reagan were, were buddies, you know? Holy shit. Like, look at all these things that were going on. So Rambo firsthand won, you know, the Cold War for us. You know, here's this the huge Cold War. thing. 19, he won the Cold between War. Between Rocky and Rambo. Between Rocky and Rambo, they fucking won the Cold War, man. beat them all. 
you know, so, but that was representative of what we had done as the United States in this sequence of time, too. So now here we are in 88. You know, the movie studio wants to put out a new new movie. What else can we do? What are the, what are the Soviets doing these days? Oh, hey, they're invading this place called Afghanistan. Well, why don't we kind of see what we can do with that? And we have Rocky, uh, Ram- Rocky geez, Rambo 3. Uh, I did not see this in theaters. Um, I don't know why. I think it might have been a little bit of a burnout at this point from the action thing. I was kind of leaning, I was leaning more towards sci-fi horror at this point. Predator had come out in 87. Uh, I was watching, I was entrenched in all the Friday the 13th movies by this point. Um, you know, and just about every other horror film. I don't know what it was about Rambo 3 that I avoided seeing it in the movie theaters, but I remember seeing it a number of years later after I had moved out here to Jersey and being like, well, now I'm glad I didn't see it in theaters. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it kind of picks up where, where Rambo's stick fighting in Thailand and, you know, just, just to make money. I mean, that, that, opening sequence, that opening sequence That's is, what I remember. is pretty badass. It is. It's cool, but it also feels out of place in a lot of ways because, again, the other big thing that I was into at this point was martial arts films, and I think maybe that might have been the biggest slide. Um, if I remember right, 88, we had Bloodsport. Uh, well, that might have been even 87, Karate Kid, Karate Kid 2. Um, what else would I be thinking here? Uh, Steven Seagal movies were starting at this point. Like that was where my interests were also sliding as far as in the action genre. No um, retreat, no surrender. Was, well, I mean, come on, man. That was. I remember running around with my little dude with my little cousin, okay, and my cousin who had a bit of like a a bit of a, a like a lisp. So, like, you know, I would do the one word, you know, I'd be like, oh, no retreat. And he'd be like, no surrender. <laughs> but that was like, that was me and him. We'd like run around, like, and do this whole back to back, pretend karate, kung fu thing. And then, yeah, we, we kicked all those bullies' asses that were non existent. But, uh, but yes, back to, back to Rambo 3. Yeah, I mean, the beginning sequence, it gets parodied in Hot Shots. Um, you know, that for me, really, that's the, the most important thing like I take away from this movie was Rambo stick fighting. Everything else for this film is just kind of a blur. You know, Troutman gets captured. Yeah, and I agree. We get introduced to the uh, Taliban. I look back at this movie yeah. now, and like I said to you when we talked about this two days ago, I think what this for me more than anything else just kind of gives like a little snicker of irony. When you look at this movie, this is Rambo supporting the Afghanistan warriors, the, uh, the Mujahideen, um, the U.S. involvement with this against the Soviets was all about arming these people from, I think, 1979 on, training them, teaching them, getting them weapons, helping them fight, again, the Cold War for us to stop the Russians from getting into their country. And, you know, we fast forward to 2001, 9-11, these are the very same people and ideology that they were fighting against the Soviets that they're now fighting against us. These are the very people that we're now going to war against by 2002 to, you know, to, to fight the very people we trained, you know, 10, 12, 13 years earlier. So I think that, yeah, man, if anything from, else, is just kind of what, like, stands from out that in a perspective, weird way. Yeah, from that perspective, watching Rambo 3 is uh, <laughs> it's pretty fucking strange. 
Um, uh-huh. But I do, I do feel there's the element, and you describe like the sci-fi and some of the martial arts stuff, and Steven Seagal starting to come uh, in into into play and Van Damme and everything. Uh, but yeah, you know, for for whatever reason, and you talk about hot shots in the opening scene, but more of that in general, like coming out of this, like it kind of became a joke. Like somewhere, uh, this became something to make fun of. Uh, in many different ways. And I know there's always been like the Sylvester Stallone, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of rivalry, but in Twins, uh, Arnold walks past the poster of Rambo 3 and laughs at it. Um, there mm-hmm. were so many different places in pop culture uh, where this was made fun of. There's a whole sequence uh, in the very funny Weird Al Yankovic movie UHF where they do a spoof uh, where they uh, have like a, a Rambo style action sequence where uh, Weird Al is, is parroting Stallone's performance as, as the character of Rambo. Uh, somewhere, somehow it became a joke. And, uh, you know, where the Rocky series had continued on to some degree, Rambo had gotten left behind. And while First Blood is still magnificent and Rambo 2 is still like one of the greatest like action films ever made, uh, you know, Whoever thought uh, that Rambo would be seen again? And then we get to 2008, a little bit before then, Sylvester Stallone, uh, kind of on the heels of the success of him reviving the Rocky franchise with Rocky Balboa, uh, is having a little bit of a moment again and announces that he has another Rambo film coming out. Uh, and this film, uh, you know, for its time, uh, much different than its predecessors and for the better. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Rambo from 2008? Okay, so if I was to order, you know, my this franchise, you know, speaking as of right now, if I was to to order this, um, obviously for me, First Blood is going to be number one on my list. Uh, I would put Rambo: First Blood Part Two as number two. Not because I think it's a superior film, but just because of where it stands for me and its importance to my childhood. If I was to do it by, you know, quality of the movie itself, this would be the second best movie in this series. Uh, I feel like what they were trying to show between the reality of certain atrocities that were going down again... Again, the series trying to stay poignant and topical with places that are foreign to the U.S. that we don't pay attention to as United States citizens because, for us, our entire world is right here in the 50 states, and that's all we care about. Um, you know, until it actually affects us here, we really don't give a shit what else is going on in the world, you know, except for, you know, whatever, a few people. Yeah, maybe these days with the Internet, it's a little different. Um but but regardless, the 2008 film, I remember going to see this in the movie theaters. And, you know, in my head, I didn't go back. I didn't watch the other three. I didn't, you know, I went in thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm going to see another, you know, another Rambo movie. You know, remembering them as a kid, remembering them being pretty violent. But what I saw when seeing this movie, the level of violence and more specifically the gore, 
that like just starts right from the very beginning when these guys are throwing these landmines in the uh, the paddy field and stuff, and the people are running through it, and that one person steps on one, and you just see this kind of like volcanic eruption of blood, just, and it was like, wow, this is definitely not what I remembered as a kid. It made me actually want to go back and see if like maybe I wasn't remembering the Rambo movies right. I was, you know, it was mostly squibs, and yeah, there were, there were blood scenes and things exploding in the other movies, That's but funny not to this level. That you say that, because, uh, you know, throughout all the years, like, it hadn't, like, not much time had passed since I had watched either First Blood or Part 2, or even Part 3 to some degree, because uh, those are films mm-hmm. that, like, if they're on, and I have nothing else going on, and I turn on, and there it is, like, I don't change the channel, you know, like, I keep it on and watch it. Uh, you know, always and always will. Uh, so it wasn't like, oh, here I am watching 2008 and I'm seeing how violent and gory it is and misremembering. Like I knew exactly the differences here. Uh, but I, I, I liked the story too. I liked where I liked where we found Rambo. Uh, you know, I would imagine that that's you know how he would have been living. Uh, you know, and he gets talked into bringing these missionaries up the road to Burma. You know, when they were putting, when he was writing this movie, when they were putting this together, uh, what what the, what he did was he researched and found what was believed at the time to be like wherever like the worst humanitarian crisis in the world was going on, and that was in Burma, mm-hmm. and that is why he decided to to make this movie surrounding uh, what was going on in Burma. Um, but yeah, well, I also know uh, that originally one of the treatments for this movie is what ends up becoming Last Blood. Uh, at one point, this film was actually going to be where he was going into Mexico to save a buddy's daughter that had been kidnapped or something. But then it turned into everything else that we eventually got, thankfully. But yeah, what a what a what a fun, uh, brutal, uh, bloody romp. I mean, you have Rambo ripping people's throats out with his bare hands. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, you have these sequences where where the where the soldiers are raiding these villages and just burning people and chopping off limbs and like picking up a fucking toddler and throwing it into the fire, uh, like shooting a little child in the chest at point blank range. Uh, oh, another one sticks you know, a bayonet like right into the kid, and then he pulls it out, and you're watching the blood like flow like yeah, out yeah, of the kid. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, this goes to, to levels that we have not seen in any of these films. And, you know, again, I think that this is, once again, it's a product of its time as far as films go. Um, you know, you got to remember, we had that surge of horror movies, you know, from like, let's say, like, you know, we covered one just recently, the Hills Have Eyes remake. You know, that gory yeah. style horror film was coming back specifically because a lot of the stuff that was coming out in Japan. And I think that influenced Stallone and, you know, the filmmakers. This is from the Weinsteins. Um, as far as like what they were doing, there was a level of gore here that we had not seen yet in one of these films. And I personally, I enjoyed it. I found it to be something that kind of, I know that I'm sure it shocked plenty of audiences. Um, I do feel for anybody that maybe thought that they were going to bring their kid, like as they went, like if put it this way, if I was a little kid and you know, my parent was like, Hey, I'm going to, they showed me uh, Rambo, you know, from the other movies from the eighties. And then that same parent took me to go see this movie. I think it would have broken my little mind, you know, where it's like, 
whoa, I didn't know that fucking people could be dismembered in those ways. Um, everything from like the 50 cal machine gun tearing people apart, him ripping out people's throats, you know, rape, all kinds of stuff is going on to just to show these people as the worst of the worst. You see um, that dude, that dude, they let the pigs eat that guy's legs. Uh, you've got the. I mean, come on. You've got, if, if you you've got didn't the know lead. the bad guy was bad enough, you know, not only does yeah. he kidnap, they you know, Christian civilians, but he's got to be a he boy raper, boys. too, you know? Oh, come on. Fucking wait. I know. And that's the thing, man. And they build it up, and you can't wait for that guy to fucking get it, uh, you know, <laughs> till the end, which he finally does after Rambo just annihilates everyone with that 50 caliber fucking Jeep mounted machine gun. And what's crazy is that originally uh, Stallone wanted to do that sequence while holding that gun, and it was just feasibly wasn't possible. It had to be mounted on top of a fucking Jeep. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, I mean, that's like that's when the he, body Ventura's character in Predator with that, right, right, with you the know, fucking, the, the, with the, the gallon gun. gun that he's got there, man. Mm-hmm. That that is not a gun that a person walks around with a backpack on firing. Now they have smaller versions of that weapon now, but back then. Yeah. The one that he's using, that is something that gets mounted, you know, not something well, that the somebody same carries thing. around. You know, going back to First Blood when he's running around with the M60, uh, you know, I had once read somewhere that that is something that really wouldn't have been possible because of how hot it gets when it fires. Uh, that mm-hmm. usually has that kind of tripod attached to the front of the barrel where that's usually fired from either laying down on the ground or having on some kind of surface. But anyway... Uh, when Rambo gets up on top of that Jeep and his head like pops up behind that guy and he just chops that guy's head off and then spins the fucking gun around into the Jeep and just blows those people away. And there's just like <laughs> buckets of blood flying everywhere. It's like splashing all over the place. And then when he spins it back, like the shield on that gun just has like bits of guts and stuff like like spilling down it. It's coated. Uh, it's coated. Uh-huh. It's great. <laughs> yes. I just remember just, like this huge... I remember howling and laughing and smiling while I know, watching this I know, because it was I know, like, this I is know. so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other dude starts shooting with that gigantic fucking rifle he has, and he's straight up blowing fucking holes through people. And when that oh fucking truck filled, yeah, when, when the truck comes around the fucking bed and fucking Rambo just unloads into the back of it and just body parts and blood are just flying all over the place, I mean... How much fun was this fucking sequence, man? It was unbelievable. It was a lot of fun. And what I think also, though, is is this... Okay, so again, we have an older Stallone in this film, uh, who I think, again, the look of the character, the portrayal of him, the, the violence, the way he is, I, I enjoy. And I know that David Morrell has gone on record saying that as far as portrayal of character this is the best representation of the character from the book um, out of all the movies, um, First Blood included. Uh, he feels like this was the truest that his character has ever come to life. Um, I don't like some of the motivations involved with it. Um, I feel like, you know, and again, Stallone directed this. Uh, I know, you know, there's always talks with all the other films that, you know, there were directors, but that, you know, secretly Stallone directed all of those, too, because that's just the way he is with stuff. But, you know, he directed this movie. There are plenty of beautiful shots. The camera work is great. There's editing choices, though, that, again, are keeping this at a, a brisk 90-minute pace, or this one might be almost 100 minutes. But but I, I know there's – oh, no, I think this one's like 90-something, and then there's a like an uncut version, which is like uh, 10 minutes longer. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, but hour I and 32 like, minutes 
I feel like the, the edits that, that were done were to take away from character motivations for Rambo. And I feel like we have what's a complex character that just keeps getting trimmed for the sake of action and for the sake of making this like, you know, a fun ride as opposed to making him something more case in point. There's a sequence in here where when they're originally going up river with the missionaries and the pirates stopped them and you know, yeah. Rambo realizes the severity of the situation that these guys are going to take this woman and you know, they're going to keep her, rape her, God knows what. So he kills all five of these guys. And there's another sequence similar to first blood where he was eyeing the room seeing where everything is, where you watch as he's eyeing each of these guys, and he's just doing it with looks, you know? He's looking at what this guy's got, where's his position, and takes them all out accordingly. Now, after he drops the missionaries off, he goes back, burns the boat. There's never any yeah. explanation as to why or any reasoning. And I'm sure somewhere on the cutting room floor, finding that boat burnt, probably finding one of the missionaries slips, like one of their pamphlets or something, maybe on that pirate boat is what makes this guy, the bad guy, go to the village where the missionaries are and takes them. You know what I mean? There was never any reason. It was just like all random events. It just so happened that this particular time that this guy was raiding one of these villages, it just happened to be the village that these, you know, American missionaries happened to be at. It just so happened that they, they kidnapped the blonde female but don't rape and pillage her like they did every single, every single other woman there besides killing them. You know what I mean? There were motivations on the bad guy's side that didn't make sense that I feel needed to be explained. There should have been something in there that showed like, hey, these guys fucked up our guys. We need to go in there and go get them. Why are these Americans here? You know, there, there, there needed to be something there to give you a better explanation for that. About why the like Americans anyway. were there? No, we know why they're there, but what I mean is is why the – I forget the, the, the main – the bad guy's name, but why his guys went to that village and why they don't just simply kill them right there on the spot. Oh, I think – well, you know, like, I think that be, being that they, there was a very similar sequence in the beginning, I think that him and his crew are just making their way across the land, destroying all of the villages. Yeah, well, That's they're, how I always camp, it. they're not making their way across the land. They're entrenched in a specific area. They're part of this right, military. They're branching that, out and that, that are, you know, they go out, they demolish, they demolish the villages. Uh, you know, they and enslave the different people. They kill. Right. I never really. I just viewed it as them being like one of those groups. You know, one of those guerrilla groups uh, where they are in different parts of the world, where they just destroy all the villages. They kill everyone. They take the young boys and turn them into soldiers or whatever. Um, you know, that's but just kind of how I would view you know. But then what would their purpose be of taking the Americans? What would their purpose be for not taking uh, – I can't remember her character's name at the moment, uh, Juliet, uh, Julie Benz's character. Like, you know, again, we watch them as they're taking on that village during that sequence, right? They're raping Sarah, like women yeah. right there on the spot. They're stripping them right, down. Right, they're doing right. this. They're doing that. They're killing other ones, yet they take her alive. You know what I mean? They take Michael alive. All it yeah, maybe they realized one I don't, yeah, quick maybe, sequence that they knew they were there, you know? Yeah, maybe they realized they had some kind of like, I don't know, in some way bargaining ship or something. But yeah, you're right. They don't really 
explains There's no that. character motivation um, for it. There's no character motivation for no. keeping them other than what? They're white people and we need Rambo to save them with a group of people. I think that what this movie did do, though, was help inspire Stallone to, to really push forward and make the Expendables. Because we get a team of soldiers that work with him for a short period of time here that, you know, are yeah, pretty well, much all nondescript know, except for Schoolboy. It was truly, uh, except for Schoolboy and, and Lewis, too, uh, like the main, the main one, Graham McTavish's character. Uh, yeah, who I think, but, you yeah, know, the rest of them for the by most part. Statham in the other movies. Right. So, yeah, like the rest of them are, are kind of nondescript, but Schoolboy and I think Graham McTavish's character also. And, uh, and, a, and an aside, last summer... Fourth uh, of July, I was up around the Yosemite area, and we were uh, we were having uh, dinner at a restaurant, and Graham McTavish was with his wife and kid uh, at the table, like right behind us. So like I was facing the back of his head, and he was there, like they were at the table behind Nicole, and uh, mm-hmm. I had seen him like walk back from the bathroom, and I was like, holy shit, holy shit! I didn't, I couldn't think of his name at the time. I pulled up my phone, uh, but it, without a doubt, it was fucking Graham McTavish who was in this, and he was also in. Uh, in the first Creed movie too, he played uh, pretty Ricky Collins' manager. So um, mm-hmm. I wanted to fucking talk to him, but he was like with his family, and I just I decided against it. Um, yeah, but, no, that's understandable. Uh, I mean, the guy's there with his, you know, with them. He's yeah, eating. Yeah, the totally. last thing he wants to be is, is yeah. you know, interrupted by a fanboy, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, of course. And you know, as far as like character motivations you're talking about are concerned, uh, you know, that brings us back to the character of Rambo, who somehow, some way, this experience. Uh, you know, leads him back home. And uh, we have Rambo kind of walking down the road back to the family ranch, and the film ends with him uh, making the long walk down the driveway. And, uh, yeah, we'll full circle. We hear in this movie a line from uh, from Rambo 3, which was, when are you going to come full circle, Johnny? When are you going to realize... You know, that this is what you do. So for me, when this movie ends and he's walking down that driveway, I felt like this was a fitting end to yes. this character, right. you know? And yeah, that I couldn't agree it. more. I couldn't agree more. And over all the years, because I'm always reading stuff every day and I'm always looking to see what's going on, over all of the years since then, there's always kind of been, like, Stallone has always teased about, like, another Rambo or, like, different plot idea. At one point, there was going to be a kind of, like, a Rambo has to alien. help the government fight some kind of alien beast or, like, some kind of, like, um, a, it's not alien, some type of manufactured, movie. yeah, some type of, yeah, but fighting, like, a, it was like a, like a military experiment gone wrong that created some kind of half-beast, half-machine, half-thing. But, uh, you know, then he announced it with not much in the plot details that Rambo 5 was going to happen. And then he said that there was no more Rambo, that he didn't think he'd be able to pull it off anymore. Uh, Maybe there'd be some kind of TV series prequel something. And then, just like a year or so ago, uh, he announces that Rambo 5 is a go. Here are the plot details and casting announcements and so on and so forth, uh, leading us up to Rambo, Last Blood, uh, which we both saw on Thursday night this past week. Uh, You know, we have 15 minutes left in this show, and I know we have a lot to say about this film. So I'm going to ask you right off the bat, what were your thoughts on Rambo, Last Blood? Uh, you know what? I, I hate to say it, but I was heavily disappointed. I, uh, I'm glad I didn't watch the Red Band trailer because I have a feeling that, which I still haven't, so I have a feeling that that would have shown me the majority of the violent kills 
or at least the violent scenes that are in this movie that happen in like the last 15 minutes of the film. Like everything about this film kind of meanders until that like 40, you know, until there's about 15 minutes left and then it's all balls to the wall action. Everything that First Blood and Rambo do correctly, whereas the action starts within about 10 to 15 minutes into the movie, this film kind of takes more of a Rambo 3-esque type of, of way about itself taking a while to build up to get to the action points. And then when it does, it delivers, but I don't feel like it ever delivers in the way that Rambo did from 2008. This is not as gory as that movie. It is not as, you know, maybe the violence is a little bit more violent esque, but I don't feel like a lot of more, a lot lot more close contact violence here, a lot more close contact violence. Yeah. I would give it that, but you know, like I don't feel like this was the proper end for this character. No, and he's actually, you know, teased maybe more. But anyway, uh, I am going to agree with you in being disappointed, but for vastly different reasons, actually. Uh, One, look, I fucking loved it. I love seeing Rambo on the fucking big screen. I love Stallone. Uh, I'm going to fucking watch this shit when it's on TV. Uh, You know, had a great time seeing it. As a film, I I thought it was really flawed. Uh, You know, in its 89-minute runtime, my disappointments were was that I felt like it felt rushed and super fast. I loved that the beginning, like the beginning exposition and building of the characters and all of this, like I, and seeing Rambo on the farm, I enjoyed all of that. Uh, I felt that the villains in this were just fucking like cardboard fucking cutouts. Yes, we see their terrible fucking traffickers, but we've seen this, we've seen that a million times. Uh, there was nothing yeah, they, about the fucking villains. Like, they didn't make you invested in the villains or, or being caring about seeing something bad happen to the villains, even though that you know that they killed, uh, they drugged, raped, and killed his niece. Uh, I thought that the action sequence felt all super fast and super rushed. That all happened so quickly. I, I did not at all like the use of the Doors song 5 to 1 in there i thought that that did not fit a rambo movie in any way shape or form and i also thought that the instrumental no one here gets out alive (laughs) i know i know know. of course (laughs) of course but oh beat us over the head with that uh how obvious i i understand that but like that doesn't feel like the kind of move that the character of rambo makes in taunting all of them that way that's just not what Rambo does. And I thought that the instrumental score, while every once in a while, there was a moment where they put a little flourish of sound from like a previous Rambo film sounded to me just like shitty generic action movie music. There was nothing uh, inspiring about it or emotional about it uh, to, to go with the scene. It was just like fast paced action movie music. I felt like the entire movie felt completely rushed. Uh, I loved I liked when it was slower. I liked when he, uh, I liked the whole sequence when he went to Mexico and met that one girl and then went to the house and got beat. And, uh, you know, I felt that the, that reporter character, there has to be stuff with her that wasn't used because otherwise that makes no sense for her to be there. I know yeah. that they filmed this whole sequence uh, that was supposed to involve Rambo, like making some kind of rescue and some kind of flash flood around the farm. Uh, he posted pictures of himself in like a, in like a rain poncho on a horse with a hat in the pouring rain, like that wasn't. I used think that was Stallone had be, talked about I think that. That was supposed to be the open opening of the movie. 
is that's how it was right. supposed to open with him kind yeah. of having a bit of a defeat, and it gave it an action sequence. I think we have the same exact faults with this film. I think you I, look at it as rushed. I look at it as in it just didn't build the story correctly. Yeah, I never get I to feel, feel or appreciate the relationship between him and this niece. I don't feel that there, and I feel like in a movie like this, I should. Put it this way. We've seen this film. I can tell you two other movies that I've seen this exact same plot, and one we've already discussed, which was Commando. Two is yeah. the movie Taken, and in Commando – Yeah, the whole, yeah Taken, the without couple, question. The whole couple of minutes in the first you – know, in the movie Commando that you get Arnold and, and Alyssa Milano is all you need yeah. to establish a relationship between those two characters that when he goes off the rails to go save his daughter, I completely 100% I'm, – I'm all in with it. This, I never mm-hmm. feel that connection. I never feel like I get where these characters are coming from. I just get like this is, this is like him not doing this right for some reason, and I don't understand why. Like I don't see where this is going wrong, and I don't know if it's the director. I don't know if it's Stallone pushing the director. The, the, the villains, like I'm sorry, but the guy that carves the V, Victor, You know, which we hear his brother tell him, you know, make the mark. Like, that's the guy that when he gets killed, we need to see that and enjoy it. Not have it happen off screen and then watch fucking Rambo drop his head out the car window. Like, that guy is the guy that's carved into your face, dude. Yeah, and I feel that the – I feel the – because I did think about that too. Uh, I think the choice in not showing it was to – have the shock value of when you get the reveal of what had happened to him and then seeing the head drop out of the window. I think that was to be to have to, like for violent shock value. I think that's probably why that choice was made, but still the two but the villains, problem is, is the oh, other brother was the one represented in the nicer way. The other one is the one that said, let him live. Victor was the one that was the bad one. You know what I mean? They right. never, like they, they, they don't establish these two guys enough to where you turn around and say, well, holy shit, he killed his brother. Now I understand why that guy's doing anything. We get like 10 minutes total of that one guy, and he's supposed Mm -hmm. to be the main bad guy. You know, it was weird. Their entire team of, of like, cartel soldiers, like, so fucking generic. Not one standout, like, like, detail amongst any single one of them in any way at all. Um, Really disappointing in that regard. Uh, And, you know, the stuff with Rambo, uh, with with the character, uh, with the taking of the medication and still suffering from his PTSD, like, I wanted more of that stuff. Like, we get this one scene when he's walking through the tunnels, and I wanted more of the character study stuff. And I feel all of that, like, they give us that, but I feel like the flashback stuff should have been happening more throughout the film uh, as he's like starting to, I don't know if unravel is the right word after he stops taking the meds, but like I want, I was hoping for more of that, more of the character study stuff instead of this like super rushed kind of super violent, but kind of generic action movie. Yeah. Well, again, we got at least, you know, with the, the last film with 2008, we get, you know, Rambo in a location and in a position that was familiar to us and obviously familiar to him. 
So now that they're kind of making this, it, it, it almost in a weird sort of way is like a fish out of water type of deal in which, right. you know, he's in, a, in an environment that we're not accustomed to seeing him in. But we don't get any of that. They don't build any of that. We don't get any of his his characterization of where he is other than a couple drop lines and what they're hoping you're going to catch through certain scenes but I just don't feel like the editing is ever right for this movie everything about it felt so disjointed um, you know, one of the things though that I did, I like, I don't, and I don't mean to make this sound like I didn't enjoy it. Listen, it's a Rambo movie. I'm getting to see yeah. another no, Rambo the movie same way. in theaters. I feel so the same I'm enjoying exact the way. Shit I love it. I had a great time. I had a great time. But that doesn't mean I still can't look at it fucking critically. And doesn't mean you can't look at it critically. And I think it's important that we do that because I've been online since I've seen it and all these fucking pages. Uh, where people are talking about it like it's the greatest fucking movie ever fucking made, and that Stallone has done it again and created this amazing Rambo movie, and I don't think that that's the case. That's I don't know what you're saying, man. Everything I'm seeing is all hatred about this movie. The critics are saying that it's terrible. No, I'm not talking about critics. I'm talking about fans. I'm talking about fans. Oh, I don't know. Most of the people that I know who have seen it have come back saying like they didn't really like it all that much. Somebody that I just saw today said, you know, it's the goriest film they've seen this year. I don't know. I guess maybe they don't watch horror movies like we do. Uh, but he's one right. of those within the horror community, so I don't know how that could possibly be. Uh, definitely not the goriest movie I've seen this year or that has come out this year. But, you know, I, yeah. I did get the, the, the luck of being seated next to, next to somebody in the theater that was very much in the exact same mind frame as me for this movie. So when these hyper-violent sequences are occurring and, you know, Rambo's like taking the one guy in the car, you know, and he jams the knife in the guy, we're howling with laughter. You know, we are enjoying this yeah. to a level that was like, seriously, dude, I have to say, you know, the guy's name was Jason. Me and him, like, spent, like, I don't know, another 35, 40 minutes after the movie, like, outside in the parking lot of the theater just chatting it up. It was almost yeah. like somebody was like, hey, Keith needs his buddy Dave with him in the movie to see it, and this guy was your stand-in for the movie. It was like, that's how perfect it was just with the, the timing, with the humor and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was which was nice to have because I do miss you for things like that. Uh, yeah, of course, man. But, but yeah, what did you think? Was, what did you it, think? So when when Rambo's touched, one of the you know we're, we got a couple minutes and there's still a couple things with I the know. film I want to fucking get in. Uh, this again. But what did you think? What did I know? I know. We said, oh no, it's less films. Like this is going to be fine. We're going to cover it all in two hours. <laughs> uh, but um, what the fuck were we getting? But when he tells the guy. Uh, inside the tunnels, he says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tear out your heart, <laughs> just like you did to me." <laughs> what did you think when he tears out his fucking heart? Fucking shows it to him. Dude, he jams that fucking knife in him, man, and just starts cutting down. And uh -huh. yeah, you yep. know, like again, I am fucking howling. Uh, with me yes. and Jay, we're both, we're fucking laughing and smiling. And, you know, this guy's like 43. He's like, you know, he's like our age, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So he's definitely like in that, that same thing as us, growing up with this. So being in this theater and everybody else that's in the theater, which we had, I don't know, it was pretty much, it was, it was uh, I would say, a, a little more than halfway filled. Um, it was like silence. 
and like shock at the gore factor and me and him just fucking laughing our asses off and some guy off and back to the right with the exact same mindset because he was laughing too because it was fucking awesome it was like great i just wish i felt that more though you know what I mean? Like, I wish that when this happened, that it was like when fucking Arnold puts the pipe through Bennett at the end of Commando, when he's like, you know, yeah. let off some steam. Like, that it was fucking earned. That this was an actual, like, battle more than anything else, instead of mm-hmm. just being this quick sequence with a guy that yep. was, like, kind of like a nondescript villain. Yeah. At least the other guy and, in the, in the past then... movie was a fucking boy raper, you know? Yeah, yep. Uh, and, you know, with that being said, you know, I felt the same way about that sequence with, with the heart. And he just tears the fucking heart out of his chest. Uh, I also, disappointing in the ending, one I'm minute. disappointed with the, with the voiceover. I'm looking at the clock. I'm seeing it. But I didn't like the voiceover at the end either. I, that kind of let me down, too. Uh, I'm going to oh. keep them alive in my memories and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you know, look, again, my final thought in this last minute, loved seeing it on the fucking big screen. Uh, I will put this ahead of Rambo 3. Uh, I'm going to yes. watch this movie any time that it's fucking on, and like maybe my feelings about it will change. Uh, but, you know, I was so much looking forward to it, and I feel, from a critical standpoint, critical standpoint uh, flawed film, uh, but I fucking love Stallone. I love the Rambo series. It's so important to me. Yep. You said it right, man. So, I mean, with that, again, that was our Rambo retrospective, man. Uh, yeah, like you said, too. We we did what we did the last time. <laughs> yeah, yep. How do we get there? I guess, you know, we started just fucking running down first blood like like frame by frame, which I guess was our you know was our was our Achilles heel there. But you know, again, thank you everybody for joining <laughs> us. I wanna give I wanna give a quick shout out to the Slycast uh Rambo podcast uh Facebook page who was very generous to promote our uh both of our Stallone retrospective episodes. So I said I would give a thank you. And uh, for anybody tuning in and listening to this, uh, please, you can let us know our thoughts, your thoughts on our Facebook page, on our Instagram. And thank you very much for joining us tonight for this very special episode of Talking Terror.